Uh, great to have you along this morning. Steve Peach is my name. I'm the ministry team leader here. Today, we're talking about our focus for the year, where we're going as a church. What is our, uh, our focus? Our vision here is about following Jesus, transforming lives. That is still our purpose. We are followers, disciples, learners of Jesus. Uh, we take our lead from his, him. He's our Lord and Saviour. Uh, and he is transforming our lives. He's changing us from the inside out. That is our pursuit. And not only is he transforming us, you and I, he's using you and I to transform others. We bring mission and ministry to the community around us and further, and other lives get changed as we surrender ourselves to Jesus and allow him to work through us. That's our vision, that's our purpose, we're still doing that. But each year we have a particular focus on what it is that, that we'll sort of play into. Last year we talked about uh, the focus uh, around the goodness of God. Uh, we tracked through the series for the whole year essentially looking at the character of God and how God is inherently good. We talked through the Old Testament picture that pointed towards Jesus. Then we talked through the New Testament and saw in more colour how Jesus is the embodiment of that goodness, the character of God. And then we saw through the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, post Jesus' resurrection and ascension, uh, how the goodness of God comes through that meaningful indwelling of the Spirit of God. Uh, did some reflection off the back of that and talked to some people about how they felt that series went and uh, that focus last year. And the vast majority of people were really encouraged. They felt this was really helpful for me. Uh, it encouraged me. It joined the dots in my faith. Helped me understand the flow of scripture and the character of God. As a result, I was uh, bolder. I was more courageous I was more willing to tell God's story and my story. Uh, lots of great outcomes. Uh, there are a few reflections that said, I understood all that and it was helpful, but there was a bit of, so what? God is good. How does that play out in my life practically? What does that really mean for me? Uh, so we took that feedback on board. You might be wondering, how do you even get to a focus for the year? How do you uh, come up with this? Um, do you go up onto the mountain, Moses style, and God speaks to you? Well, it's not quite like that. Um, our structure here at Southport is we have a team approach to ministry. So we have a pastoral team uh, and we have an eldership. Uh, the eldership and the pastoral team make up the broad picture of what governs our church. And so I will talk to people, the ministry team leader role is my role, but I'll talk to Bryce, he's our executive pastor, and all of our pastoral team, talk to our elders, we pray, we consider. Uh, it's been a process for me that's been going since about the middle of last year. Uh, and so all of that to say, it doesn't just get pulled out of the air, it's not one individual, it's a team approach as we think about what God is doing uh, in our midst and what he wants to do going forward. So all of that said, our focus for 2024, uh, collectively agreed on by our leadership, is uh, the concept of going deeper, uh, having a deeper walk with God through his son Jesus, uh, through the presence of the spirit of God in your life. What does that look like? Well, that's what we're going to unpack this year. But let me, let me just pray first, and uh, we'll just kind of dig into that just a little bit. Does that sound all right? Yeah, okay. I'm going to take that as a, 
uh, resounding, affirming yes. So I'm going to pray and we'll move forward. Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in church this morning, um, to bring our hearts before you in worship, to uh, bring our voices, to raise our voices with affirmation and love towards you. Uh, to share around the Lord's table as Bryce uh, led us uh, just moments ago, reflecting on the gift of salvation only accessible through uh, the person of Jesus. And just now as we open the word together, we would ask that you would really uh, speak into our hearts. You would uh, draw us to you as we think about what it means to go deeper in our faith, uh, in our journey with you. We commit ourselves to you at that end. Amen. So I, if you don't know this, you might be new to the church. Uh, I'm the ministry team leader here, but I'm also a chaplain in motorsport. I've uh, been doing that since 2008, involved in motorsport. So I'm occasionally at uh, race meetings and mixed with people in motorsport, etc. I did a wedding a few years ago for a, a racing car uh, driver and his now wife. And uh, it was a good time. There were lots of racing car types there. And uh, the service went really well. Uh, the photos were done and it was time for the reception. And the wedding and the reception were on the same site. And uh, so we've moved into the, the, the area where the reception is going to take place. And the, the seats are all allocated. So I've walked up to my seat. There's a guy already there. And uh, I know this particular person. I'll call him Darren. That's not his name. But uh, he's a, I've known him for quite a number of years at this point, And he's a uh, marketing manager for a large national brand. If I told you the brand, you'd know who it was. And uh, Darren's there. He's a, he's a sponsor guy. He, he organises money, supports motorsport teams, etc. And so as I'm walking up to my seat, he turns around, looks, and he's... He's a, a pretty sanguine guy, a noisy type, life of the party type fella. And he gets all excited and he says, uh, awesome, I'm seated next to the priest. But he, but he meant that in a really positive way. So I sit down next to him and uh, he just switches on straight away, starts talking at me, uh, telling me about his history, his story, uh, about what he thought of the service, uh, a bit of his Catholic background. And he, was, he, he wasn't drawing any air. I don't know where air was coming into him from, but he was just going constantly. And the wedding party arrive and they are announced and he's still talking. He's got his back to them. They're over there. He's here, whack, 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 going a million miles an hour. Then they're announced, they're all seated. And then the MC is speaking and calls me up to say grace. And Darren's still on it. And I, I put my hand on his arm and said, mate, just hang on a second. And I stood up and I went up to the front. I acknowledged the couple, thanked them for the day, thanked their families, prayed a blessing over them and the meal, and then sat down. Now, as I'm walking back to sitting down, Darren's staring at me. His mouth is closed now. And I sit down and he says to me, did you just make that up? Did you prepare that? Did you just make that up? And he was astonished, right? And he then started talking again. He started telling me about his own journey and gave me a bit of self-reflection. And he used this phrase at the end of his monologue. He said, Steve, I'm as shallow as a car park puddle. It stuck with me because I was quite amused by it. I think that's quite funny. Um, uh, in the sense of the description, I'm as shallow as a car park puddle. But it wasn't something that he was using as a badge or a trophy. 
There was genuine lament in his voice. As a 50-year-old, he's talking to me, reflecting on his own life, saying, Steve, I, I have no purpose, no meaning, nothing uh, to live for, to drive me forward. I've got a list of dysfunctional and broken relationships and I'm as shallow as a car park puddle. You might uh, hear that and think to yourself, I know some people like that. I know some people who are really lightweight in their sense of conviction and purpose and uh, the things that they really are on about, the things that they have deep sort of conviction about. They're pretty light in that area. Or you might even say to yourself, actually, there's a bit of me in that. I'm a bit light in the things that I believe and and pursue as a person. I don't really stick at them. I don't really take any pain in that regard. I'm pretty shallow in some areas of my life. Our culture today would tell you um, these two things around that. Something has happened to you, something or someone has done something to you to put some pressure on you and you as a result are a a victim of some kind of circumstance. Uh, Some kind of ill has come in your direction and you you are a victim or you are uh, entitled to some kind of compensation or care or support as a result of that challenge. And the shallow person allows that cultural overlay, that kind of mindset to allow them, that that be the pathway they're going to process hurt and difficulty and challenge in their life. I'm a victim of something. Something's happened to me. Something's done. Someone has done something to me and I'm a victim. It's their fault. It's their issue. They've done it and I have been, you know, received this trauma. Or um, something's happened to me and I, someone else needs to fix it. Someone needs to solve it for me. Uh, When you carry those two postures as a bit of a general rule, you will find yourself in a place of shallowness. I can tell you at this point in my life, as a young man who's had a minor fall recently, (laughs) that I have had some challenges. I was an apprentice tradesman in the late 80s and 90s. So I can tell you I've had a bunch of people do stuff to me, right? Things have happened to me at the hand of others. My parents split up with when I was nine years old and so I have been through a journey like lots of kids from broken homes where you would beat yourself up and carry a sense of guilt and weight as a result of that sort of scenario. My mum battled alcohol for all of my adolescence. And so I have uh, lived through and participated in the challenges around blame and uh, pressure in that sort of home-based environment. I've conducted many funerals as a pastor and a chaplain. uh, And I've conducted or participated in leading the funerals for three of my four parents or in-laws, as well as my own firstborn son. So I've walked through the journey of grief as well. So I sit here today um, telling you I know what it's like to have things happen to you 
or things happen at you, around you, etc. But there's a choice for you and I to make right in that moment. When you think about your own journey and how you want to respond to the challenges and the hurts and the pressures that come either from your own decision making or from challenges around you or things from other people, you have a choice to make. You can get busy, get back to work, soldier on, tough it out, um, which is the Australian male way. Um, but cuts across both genders, as it turns out. And you will find yourself getting further down the journey of life and reflecting that you are more shallow than you want to be. You might even say I'm as shallow as a car park puddle. Or you have the opportunity to investigate that tough stuff of life. What is going on here? Uh, What does it look like for God to be present? Now, you might say, hey, listen, Steve, don't dismiss that concept of um, pushing that stuff away. I, you know, you might be sitting there saying, I've faced some tough stuff and pushing that stuff away and burying it is a legitimate journey that I'm actually willing to take. I don't want to investigate the hard stuff of life. I don't want to investigate the pain of my history or the battles that might be on my path. If that's you, I just want you to know, actually, that's, that, that's your choice. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus and he is your Lord and Saviour, then you are saved and he holds you in his hand, right? You, you, you have an eternal destination that is with God. That's good news and if you come to our church here at Southport, there is a place for you. You're part of the community. There there is gifting that God has bestowed you with and there's a place for you to serve. If that's you, we're we're rapture here. But at the same time, as your pastor, it would be wrong for me to not let you know that there is more than what you're currently experiencing. God has something more for you than just kind of having to endure these difficult seasons or times or experiences. There is something more, but it requires you to go deeper. So this concept of deeper, our focus for 2024, it's important in the context of understanding deeper and what that looks like, um, is that it comes from a question. Uh, A question that really should be on everyone's heart, certainly on every Christian's heart and mind. What does it look like or how does a person grow? How does a Christian grow? If you're a person who says, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour, and I made that decision yesterday or last week or 30 years ago, how does God grow you in that journey? How does he want you to increase in terms of your godliness? your reflection of who Jesus is. So you can read and you can study and intellectually understand, but those things that you'll understand need to get applied to your life. This morning, just for a few minutes, we're going to have a a quick peek into the life of the Apostle Paul and see how he would answer that question about how does a Christian, a follower of Jesus, grow? How does that look? In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is uh, telling his own story, a part of his explanation to, or his teaching here to the church at Ephesus. 
Uh, he gives a bit of his own journey uh, as he unpacks that. Uh, remember, the Apostle Paul is uh, a guy who's grew, grown up in the Jewish system. Uh, he has been fast-tracked in his education. He sits under the elite, uh, highest-level teachers in the culture that he exists uh, that he exists in. Uh, he's A-plus, top-grade, fast-track in terms of the Jewish system and the religiosity, the law. He's fast-tracking to high Pharisee status. Chapter 3, verse 7 says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. He was already a servant of the Jewish system and a deliverer of the law and the requirements of the law and judgment of those who would depart from the law. But here he's saying something changed in me. I have become, I already was a servant, now I've become a servant of the gospel, the story of Jesus, right? Given to me uh, through God's grace, through the working of his power. He's reflecting actually on Acts chapter 9. He's pathway to Damascus he's walking along the pathway to Damascus and he gets confronted by Jesus Saul Saul why are you persecuting me that passage and his whole journey changes he's talking about uh, who what it means to be a Christian for the church at Ephesus people everywhere as it turns out you and me and he's talking about what he's been saved from this is clearer in Ephesians 2. We'll go back to Ephesians 2 here. This is from the ESV. And you were dead in the, in the tre- trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our, fa- our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he has for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By Christ you have been saved. So what Paul is saying in this passage is, you all, he, us all, were once dead in our transgressions. We were dead in the way we were connected with God. We were disconnected and we were living amongst others who were dead and they were doing dead type things. That was our lot. That was the picture. And then this verse here, the next, uh, that one there, right there, which is verse four, starts by saying, but God. Now you and I, like I just outlined before, have faced all kinds of challenges. And if you haven't yet, you will. All sorts of things that will happen to you by your own decision, the hand of another person, um, a catastrophe of some description, but God. John Corson, in his commentary on this passage, says these two words are some of the most important in Scripture because you can get stuck in the challenges you face and you can look heavenward and say, there is no God and he doesn't care. Or you can operate dismissing all of that, living it as the, uh, a shallow car park puddle. Or you can investigate it and you will find 
the phrase, but God. Genesis chapter 31, that same phrase is used uh, of Jacob and Laban. In Genesis chapter 20, when Abraham and Sarah are on their way uh, travelling and they come across uh, a guy by the name of Abimelech and his leadership and Abraham's quite concerned. He thinks he's going to take Sarah from him, kill Abraham, take Sarah from him as his own wife. And so Abraham devises a plan to sort of manage that And then his worst fears come to pass. Abimelech sends for uh, his wife, Sarah. Verse 3 of chapter 20 of the book of Genesis. But God stepped in, came to Abimelech in a dream. Genesis 48 talks about the same picture with Jacob. Genesis chapter 50, we talked about this last year. Zane Howell, our family's pastor, talked us through this passage where Joseph has been sold into slavery by his brothers, left for dead. The Egyptians take him. He rises. He doesn't die. He rises to a point of prominence and then he's faced with his brothers again years later. They're talking to him and he says this, you intended to harm me, but God. But God stepped in. He intended this for good. Judges 15, 1 Samuel 23, 1 Peter 5 all use this phrase, but God. When you and I feel like we're at the bottom of the barrel and there's nothing left and you're scratching the bottom only to find another barrel below it, right? This is the worst of the worst. You think nothing could go right now, but God steps in. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, when Paul is talking about the sin in his own environment and the way people manage sin and temptation that comes at us. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, God will not leave you. No temptation has overtaken you except that is such as is common to man. But God is faithful. The promise that he will always provide a way out. God steps in. And so here in Ephesians 2, Paul is reflecting on his own journey, the journey of sinners across the planet, and says, you've done stuff and things have happened to you, but God. But God steps in. Back to chapter 3, verse 8. Him still talking about his own testimony. Although I'm less than the least of the Lord's people... Understanding that Paul was at the top end of that religious system that was opposing Jesus, he now positions himself at the bottom, says, I'm the worst of God's people. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. If you've got a Bible and a pen or a highlighter or a spray can, underline that in your Bible here now. The boundless riches of Christ. The deeper, the depth, the challenge, getting below the surface, is where you find the boundless riches of Christ. This is what Paul is talking about. This is why he's telling his own story. This is why he uh, has been called by God. He's identified his call here to tell the story of the gospel to Gentiles, those outside the Jewish system, and to tell them about the boundless riches of Christ. Underline it, 
Picture it in contrast to the shallowness of a car park puddle. Boundless riches of Christ are found in the deep place. Situations where blessing is received, where truths revealed in Scripture lead to faith and action. Moments where God's mercy is called upon. Experiences where one pleads for God's grace. As distinct from living at the surface of a car park puddle, seeing yourself as a victim or as one who is entitled to some kind of uh, recompense or rescue. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul goes on, and this will become a bit of a theme, this passage, for this year. Ephesians 3, Paul's given his testimony, given us understanding of the sin state and his experience of that. And then as he's talking to the Ephesians, he stops with his instruction. He pauses and he prays for them. So important is this information that they get it, they understand it, that he actually prays for this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is the heart of Paul. This is his purpose. This is why he does ministry. This is what God has called him to. Stopped him on the road, blinded him, took him out of the system for years to refine his theology so that he could pass on to the people at Ephesus, the whole early church, to you and I, how deep, how wide, how long, how high is the love of Christ. You don't get that from the top of the puddle. You have to go deep to find out what the boundless riches of Christ are about. Here's a Jesus-like lesson on such things. Luke chapter 5. Jesus has been teaching on the side of the sea at Galilee there. Uh, He's been in a boat, Peter's boat. It's just sitting on the edge of the water. Um, Peter has been fishing all night and he's cleaning and fixing his nets on the shoreline. There's a big crowd around and Jesus finishes his teaching and he says to Peter, um, push out from uh, the, the shoreline here to the deep water. Peter's in the boat with him now. Uh, the process of fishing in this part of the world in this time was you would fish the shallows due the, during the day and you would get a moderate catch of fish. Enough to sell some at the market, feed your family, come back the next day, work that process. During the day, it suits, you know, a lifestyle, etc. But if you wanted a bigger haul, if you wanted to really grow the business, if you wanted to expand and wanted to see great things come, you have to push out to the deep and fish the water at night in the deep water. Now, Peter's just been doing that. He's a, he's a person who is pursuing uh, the, the, the bigger thing. He's happy to work hard. 
He's made sacrifices to do that and he's fished all night. Jesus says to him, Peter, I want you to push out to the deep. But this isn't a fishing lesson. Peter's the fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter. This isn't actually a fishing lesson. It's a lesson about life and, a, and about the ministry that he's about to be called into. If you know the story, you'll know that Peter resists at this point. He pushes back. Master, we've fished all night. Haven't caught anything. You don't fish the deep during the day. It's a fruitless exercise. I'm tired. The nets are a bit damaged. Please don't make me. It's not worth it. It's too hard. And probably with a tone of, I know better because I'm a fisherman and you're a carpenter. They're the call signs of the victim and the entitled. I'm tired, don't make me, it's not worth it, it's too hard and I know better. But the story goes on, Peter does it anyway. And he produces a massive haul of fish. If there was one major outcome that I would have hoped for 2023 and prayed into repeatedly as we walk through the goodness of God series, it would be that we as a church would understand, cognitively get the picture that God is good. His character is good. He can be nothing but good. And that you would be willing, I would be willing to press into that goodness when tough times come, that we would be willing to apply it. That's what the picture of deeper is about. We believe that God is good. We've seen it. We've worked through it. Now, how does that live out in reality? Peter says in verse 5, chapter 5 of Luke's gospel, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Everything within Peter says this will be a fruitless exercise, unnecessary and I don't want to. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Willing to go to the deep. Here's how Jesus sees you. The Jesus who is calling you into the deep to asking you to investigate the challenges and the battles that you face, the sin that comes externally at you or that you have generated from within. The, this is how Jesus sees you, the one who's calling you into that. John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. God is good, you are his friend and he's calling you to a deeper place. Elsewhere, Scripture uses this phrase uh, and uses this picture as heirs and co-heirs or sons and daughters. You're an heir, son and a daughter and a friend of Jesus who is good. He is good for you. So here's a question for you. What does it look like for you to go deeper in 2024? What would it look like for you to go deeper in uh, your engagement around worship. Not just singing songs on a Sunday, but actually reflecting a heart of worship 
in other settings, in this setting and in other settings? What would it look like for you to go deeper in prayer rather than just bringing a list, actually wrestling and, and surrendering, releasing the purpose and the idea into God's hands? What would it look like for you to go deeper into mission, to participate, to serve the kingdom, both locally here or maybe further afield? What would it look like for you to go deeper in the context of generosity, not just giving out of your abundance or leftover or giving the week you're here and not the week you're not here, but actually giving, being generous when it costs you something, the sacrifice to be made. I had to go without that so I could give that. What would it look like to go deeper in terms of serving, using your gifts, not just in the area you love, but maybe serving in a way that actually requires you to step up a little bit. They're all pretty doable in a church environment because uh, they're personal, they're measurable internally. But maybe going deeper with Jesus this year is calling you into something more profound than that. What would it look like for you and I to go deeper in the context of forgiveness? What does it really mean to forgive somebody who's wronged you? How might God want to take you deeper into your faith journey by using a painful situation in your life journey? What does it look like to go deeper in repentance? As distinct from saying, hey, I'm sorry I was a sinner and I told you that when I was converted when I was 15, what does repentance look like now? What does it mean to go deeper in your grief, the challenges you've faced? The culture that we face, uh, that we live in, tells us to dismiss that, get back on board, get busy, get back to work, um, time heals all wounds, etc., etc. But what does it mean to investigate where God is present in the context of grief? Deeper in terms of your purpose, deeper in terms of your faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that it's impossible to please God without faith. How do we investigate that in a deep way? These are the real things of life and following Jesus. Coping with dysfunctional relationships, cancer diagnosis of the loss of a child, these are the things that some people say God does not exist. I'm convinced now because I had to face this thing. But then there are others like Job who say, even though he slay me, yet will I praise him, worship him. Maybe the question on your mind is what would be the benefit of going deeper? If you're still back at the concept of the car park puddle going, hey, I'm pretty happy with that. I don't, I don't mind the concept of shallowness. Just leave me with it. What would be the benefit of going deeper? Well, Jesus promises in John chapter 14, the peace that he has from God, he makes available to you. Peace in challenging situations. Peace in difficulty. 
In Matthew 11, he says, um, take on my yoke. Uh, my burden is easy. Uh, my, my yoke is light. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. I will give you rest for your soul. A peace that transcends understanding comes directly from God and rest for your soul. This is what you find at the deeper place, the boundless riches of Christ. If there was a realness scale to faith, these are the things that would be present on it. Not the Sunday duties, not the way you look or the way you interact in social settings, the deep place. So that's our plan for 2024. Some of that will bring uh, a real sense of release and uh, lightness to your shoulders and some of it will require a shovel for you to dig. But what you'll find there is the boundless riches of Christ. I'm going to ask just one question of you and the band are going to come up as I do this. And it's just really for you to reflect on in your own heart. Make your own commitment before God. I recognise that I've been thinking and praying and working towards this since the middle of last year and you've had um, 29 minutes. So this might take a bit of time to process, right? But this one question I want you to wrestle with. Are you willing to pursue the boundless, unsearchable depths of God's love in 2024? Are you willing to pursue the boundless, unsearchable depths of God's love in 2024? I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to conclude our service with a final song. Um, and this is the challenge, this is the opportunity that sits before us. Let's pray together. Father God, we know that you are good, that your character is good, that you love us, that you are committed to us, and that all that happens to us is present to drive us more towards you and deeper into who you are and who you are making us to be. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would give us courage for some in the room, for many in the room. This is a courageous prayer, a courageous posture to say, I am willing to investigate how I might find you in a deeper place when I have resisted that for 20 or 30 or 40 years, this aspect, this challenge, this sin, this, this relationship. But we believe you that you are to be found in the deep place. And so, Lord, my prayer is that you would give us as a community, those listening online, those in the room with us now, you would give us courage to say, I am willing to pursue this in 2024. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.